Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Ready Set Poem Podcast, your preeminent Canadian Overwatch podcast. I am Chris at Lightforce, joined virtually as always by Omni at Omni Strife and Jordan at Sir Doctor JM. Welcome, gentlemen. Do we really have to do this? I, I'm not ready. I can't. I can't. It's, it's just a good thing it comes a couple days after the grand final. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. Otherwise, I, I'd, I'd be a ball of emotions. Did yeah. you know that Jordan missed the final press conference because <laughs> he, he slipped on a puddle of his own tears? <laughs> close. Close, actually. I, they closed the door real quick, that's for sure. It's the first I, one that they closed the door quickly because every other one, like I, I made my way there. I got there in time. There was one that I actually opened the door and they were like, don't do that next time. I was like, oh shoot. Sorry. I mean, shoot. Sorry. But, uh, anyways, <laughs> Hey, I mean, we're only what a minute into the show and there's a beep already. So, <laughs> you know, that's what happens when, when, when everything falls apart and everyone is in a bundle of emotion. But yeah, I, I, got to listen into that that final press conference um and try as all of us did couldn't get those cagey kids to tell us what the future holds or they did but through translation swing wouldn't actually give us the straight goods well you know i for those who you listening who don't get the opportunity to see uh the press conferences um uh, Yiska actually, I think, published them all on GG Recon. So you can actually watch them. I think he recorded the video. Mm-hmm. But you watch the players answer something in Korean. And you can read facial expression and, and what have you. And you can sort of gauge the response and how it's <laughs> impacting the other player or players around them. Mm-hmm. And then you would have, like, you know, Swing Chip translate. She's phenomenal. But I also wonder if she's so good at her job <laughs> that she is providing us the... Abridged uh, version. Well, I was going to say the sanitized version, ah, yeah. the one that's appropriate for, yeah, uh, you know, a live stream or, or yeah. what have you. But. So I was in a couple of the press conferences with uh, some some of the Florida guys earlier in the weekend, and Swing Chip is definitely one of the one of the more outgoing and more um, I don't know more more involved translators. I would say mm-hmm. like she she will tell you what the players say, but then halfway through it, she will also turn back to them and kind of clarify points or ask them, I assume to, you know, give a little bit more and then she'll kind of give the translation. She was a lot of fun. And it was also her birthday on Saturday, I think. Yeah. How come she didn't get a Mr. X style birthday celebration? That's a good point. Good point. Mm -hmm. I think we have to redo the entire, uh, you know, playoffs and grand final now. I'm in, I'm in. Yeah. Um, if you haven't figured it out uh, yet so far, or you happen to miss it this weekend, the Florida Mayhem are your Overwatch League Grand Final Champions. We'll talk a little bit about how brackets got broken in the first match of the playoffs, because, hey, what is a playoff without a broken bracket? Um, other things that might have happened, come out, and any of the juice that we can squeeze out of our man on the floor, Jordan, as he had made that trip to Toronto. Uh, this episode's going to be a little bit whack because we're going to start pushing the payload. And we may or may not talk about the Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, but we are going to talk about the Overwatch League f- playoffs and grand final. Moving the payload. Join me. 
I don't know if it's the nostalgia that was kicking in early on, but this grand final, as I continue to refer to it as, is the grandest of grand finals or the grandest final felt that way to me. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, the Toronto crowd was energetic, but it's smaller than crowds that we had seen, you know, in Philadelphia, for instance, and, and what have you yet. There was something about the energy, but also the the performances that we we saw from most of the teams that made this feel like everyone was was putting it all out on the table, leaving nothing behind to ensure that every opportunity to to succeed was there. And I say most. I know <laughs> there were some who they may have kept a little extra in the tank and found that they're on the way out with whatever was left in the tank. Mm-hmm. But is that just the nostalgia? I don't know if it's nostalgia. I don't know if it's the proper term to. Well, at least personally for me, uh, I was I was focused in uh, like never before. I was like in all of these games, and, and to be frank, like the 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 first few games in that last day were were like bangers, one after another. And like the more you went on in these games, you realized, man, this c- could be the last time we feel this we 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 enjoy this and it felt like it you know a lot of people felt that way jordan probably can tell more about that but from the cheers from from the casting crew everybody was into it right it's like we know you know overwatch league has so many folds and we've had so many issues but it is something special and it's something that we're we're gonna all uh dearly miss uh for years to come if it truly is the last uh, time we see it so that's kind of what it felt like to me until you know that last moment with, we're going to talk about probably with, with soy's uh words that really hit you like a ton of bricks but uh, mm-hmm. it was a roller coaster for me for sure i really enjoyed it yeah i uh i definitely i mean obviously i was there and man the 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 crowd was electric um you know the the whole time it was hmm. It was, there was, there was just an energy in that place. Um, that was so much excitement to begin with. Um, but then even, you know, in matches that maybe were a little, uh, less exciting or even in some cases a little less meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously on the final day, there was that third place match and all you heard all weekend was, ah, oh, it's this silly third place match. You know, it doesn't matter you know, we can miss that match. But when that match arrived, man, it, it could have been the final, you know, uh, the, the way that it, it felt like everyone was treating the teams and cheering for whichever side they wanted to win and, and everything like that. I, I don't know. I, it almost, it felt like, you know, it was pedal to the metal the whole time. Um, and once we hit go, we did not stop. Yeah. I, I guess that would be, a better assessment. The, 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 there were like going into it, there were questions obviously like, what will the meta be? And, um, you know, you had London coming in, which was, you know, chaos and incarnate and that played out to, to some respect. Um, but we did get some banger matches. That, um, like heck oh, that first match set the tone. Yeah. They couldn't have asked for a better first day. Those first day matches, especially that first match of, you know, overall, 
Like those were, those were just crazy. Like they, oh, yeah. I don't know. The script writers were on point this time. <laughs> Two reverse sweeps from Hung Joe. <laughs> We haven't got there yet. <laughs> shush, oh, or, shush. Hey, whoever listens to this, I assure you that they know. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the match we keep talking about, Lanta Ray and Hongzhou Spark. Did any of us have the Spark winning that match? Not it. No shot. No, uh, right? no like, shot. Jordan and I were chatting before we hit record. Those who had Hongzhou winning were one, Spark stands, and those who just embraced in chaos. So, misclicked. Yeah. I I only met one person that actually told me they had predicted Hangzhou to win it all, um, which shout out it was Michael Sar from Dex, uh, from Dot Esports or writing for Dot Esports, and he even had them losing that first match. He had them making mm. a lower bracket play through the whole tournament and taking it all. Yeah. Other mm. than that, I didn't talk to a single person. Now, granted, I did talk to some Spark fans, and you know they didn't tell me if they did or did not. I bet they did pred them to go all the way, but regardless, I only had one person that actually told me yeah. they had them winning it all. Hilariously enough, and, and you can tell probably from that um, how my bracket went, but that was the only match, the first match, that is, that I predicted a 3-0. Uh, needless to say, <laughs> I predicted it for the, hey, for the rain. It, it was trending for a 3-0. Like, it, it clearly was. Like, you think back when the match gets underway, um, you know, Atlanta having essentially cleaned up you know, roll star opportunity that uh, comes out and proves a point. Uh, Hangzhou picks map two and Atlanta's like, we're the best team. And then one thing that Hangzhou had figured out, and again, we've seen that it happen throughout the league is flashpoint. There are just some teams who become flashpoint experts mm-hmm. and Hangzhou gets that point. They get a little momentum, but yeah. something that came out in the post-match press conference was, you know, do you feel disrespected? that you didn't get a nod to the roll stars. And we already know they felt Ooh, disrespected sweat. over Ooh, the seating. <laughs> and they said, yeah, like we have a point to prove. Like I yeah. genuinely feel that going down two zero just reignited that fire that sort of already burned in them. And at that point, now they became the disruptive force that I think everyone just assumed London would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they knocked the rain down to the loser's bracket, not only did they bust, I'd say, what, 95% of all of the brackets and pickums, mm-hmm. but that ensured that what was going to come out of the loser's bracket was no longer predictable because everyone in their mind is now thinking, well, geez, Atlanta is going to go and clean house. Yeah, that was that was Gushray that uh, was asked the question about the roll star. Did he feel he got snubbed? Um, mm-hmm. And he very much said yes. I, I'll yeah. show these people why I should have been a roll star. Um, and I think he did a great job of that. Oh, um, played like that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I should I should have kicked things off before we were talking about a few teams here uh, with this question. But by the end of things, uh, there were probably three teams that were looking a little sparse on jerseys and merch do you guys have any guesses who those three teams were you mean like in the crowd or in the no i mean i mean for sale so they almost cleared out all the merch they had for about three teams oh so they sold like they sold out just about there were there i'm sure there were the two two pink teams for sure so hangzhou and and, uh mayhem yep the last one Hmm. well see i part of me wants to say toronto because you have a hometown crowd London but failing that I'm going to go with yeah London that's right yeah it was those three teams 
two of those teams went on massive underdog runs that people, you know, I would say didn't really think were going to uh, perform to the extent they did. Um, and then one of them obviously was favorited, right? So, yeah. The, um, you know, talking about the London Spitfire, they were up against Boston. And, you know, I don't know if the two of you saw this. Crimso shares a, a tweet with a graphic as to the, uh, you know, rollout that Boston has and having beaten London. There's actually, I think, a little bit later. Um, but Boston was following the homework that Vancouver had completed that nearly had them get past London. Boston simply did it better. No other team copied the homework. And if you were to consider what London was doing, if they didn't have the misfortune of running up against someone who had figured out, there was quite a big possibility that their, you know, Rhine for days could have found themselves in a, in that grand final. Um, they lost to Boston, but that meant that they were set up to go down to the uh, losers bracket where they're going to take on Atlanta, which everyone's like, Oh, oh well, man. London's run is Poor over. London. And um, Atlanta, I guess, didn't realize that they either had a second match or at that point they were Ricky Bobby completely out of it. Mm-hmm. Cause if they weren't going to be first, they were going to be worst. Mm-hmm. And they got three overwatched by the Spitfire. And this is not, not to take anything away from the Spitfire. Like the, the Spitfire, you know, they, they took a map off of Boston. That was that first map. And they kept it quite interesting. Mm-hmm. The Spitfire just rolled over the ring, just completely rolled them over. Yeah, it was, uh, honestly, I mean, I, I hesitate to say it because, unfortunately, I'm I'm not a huge Atlanta fan. The roster they had, though, was just so stellar that you almost hate to see them go this way. It was hard to watch, but there were quite a few people that suggested that there was a good roster that was put together with somewhat absent coaching and couldn't Mm -hmm. adjust to a shift in meta and adversity as a result. I I was actually, I was disappointed when Hawk went in that they didn't win that map. I would have, I would have liked that a little bit, just uh, some just desserts for Hawk being benched most of the season. But uh, I met, I met some Big time Atlanta fans, um, one or two of which may or may not be listening, you know, if they are, Hey guys, glad, glad you could listen. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was tough to watch them, them go that way. And, uh, of course, once again, find themselves in playoffs and, uh, winning no money. Yeah. Well, were they, sorry, my, my wife just spilled like a bucket of tears in here on my desk. Uh, but other than uh, that, it's all good. Uh, yeah, she's taking the Overwatch League ending really hard. Yeah, uh, just like Jordan. <laughs> I don't know if it's like necessarily the coaching. Uh, we've seen this happen time and time again with NYXL or even with the Titans to some extent in the se- second season. There's always this sort of thing that might happen once you get to that playoff patch were something you've been so good at throughout the season, you were so dominant at, like for this season's example, Atlanta with with the Sombra meta that might mm-hmm. not might have skewed um, your doesn't play for Atlanta actual or like actual strength. That was uh, a I, joke I, about the name skewed. You get me for someone <laughs> all the time, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You're that, welcome. That's a good one, actually. That that's much harder than someone. To be honest, and maybe that's exactly the, the 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 thing. Even leading up to the 
to the playoffs, they did not look as, you know, dominant as they were throughout like 80% of mm-hmm. the season. And everybody was like, yeah, they're just, you know, they're chilling. They don't really need to play as hard. And yet that same excuse was used again every season almost. Uh, but maybe that's part of it. Maybe they weren't as, well, evidently they weren't uh, as ready to, you know, um, steer, adapt, whatever you want to call it. And it sucks to see just all the blame just fall on someone's head. And not someone from (laughs) the mayhem. uh, I mean, someone proved that he was someone. Oh, yeah, he was uh, no blame. The, The thing about Atlanta, though, like, okay, I'll concede that meta shift maybe hurt them. There, it didn't feel to me like you had a one-trick roster. And that they came if that's the case, they came across as a one-trick roster. I think they gave up too easily. Uh, regardless, they got bounced. They they were done in two, and uh, their their weekend was over before they had even hit the uh, the the weekend. Um, down in the East Bracket, the Soul Infernal, having missed the uh, the assignment on how you actually go and populate your brackets, uh, they got to take on the Dallas Fuel and got three Overwatch themselves. Uh, the Florida Ma'am met the Houston Outlaws, uh, and they beat them 3-1, which, in fairness to Houston, they met a very good team in, in Florida who really found their way uh, you know, going in, into the playoffs and then down in the, the loser's bracket with your, your battle of Texas that isn't really a battle of Texas because your Texas team from Dallas isn't in Texas. Um, didn't actually uh, transpire until a little bit later because that's what I had had. Uh, you had the Houston Outlaws beating uh, the, the Soul Infernal 3 Overwatch. Again, couple stinker matches, but Florida just made clean work of Dallas and uh, Houston then returned the favor uh, up in the, the West bracket uh, Boston up. How many, how many maps to zero <laughs> to zero. And well, yeah, that's not where you want the spark because they went and beat the uprising three, two. Mm-hmm. And that meant the uprising got to take on those London spitfire again. And Boston, again, they copied Vancouver's homework and they made it their own. Mm-hmm. And London's run was done, but this set up a, a a weekend of of interesting action. You had the uh, Hangzhou Spark taking on the Houston Outlaws. You had the Florida Man taking on the Boston Uprising. The winner of each go into the grand finals. The losers of each play in a third place match. Houston found their game, mm-hmm. like quite clearly found Houston their game. Found their game by copying the strategy that had beat them in their match against Florida. Mm -hmm. It very much felt like Florida pulled out the Sigma on tank and they said, Hey, Bernard, you've been brushing up on your Sigma. And he said, I'm ready. And that's what they did when they came against Hangzhou. And it was very much like, okay, most people are suspecting that our final is going to be Houston, Florida. If this is a preview of that, with what showing off what they can do on Sigma, where we know that Florida just beat them with that exact same comp, we could be in for a, a wild final. Yeah. And in any other match, you had the Florida BM beating the Boston Uprising. Like the Boston Uprising didn't have an answer to what Florida was providing. They tried mm-hmm. everything that they could think of. Um, they just couldn't do what Florida was doing mm-hmm. at the same level. 
and couldn't find a counter. But to be honest, they were actually probably outside of that. No, no, they actually were the the ones who gave them big, the biggest, you know, fight. I think to Florida. They well, in a yeah, way, arguably. in a way, they did. I, yeah, better in the grand final. And there are those that say this was the grand final match. Like whomever came out of this was going to beat Houston. Florida lost just two maps throughout the entire weekend. Mm-hmm. One to Houston, one to Boston. Yeah. So there are those that suggest Hong Zhao got some additional disrespect having done the impossible or so to speak only to lose here and not have that opportunity that let's say, uh, you know, Houston or, or Boston had in getting that second chance. Mm -hmm. Reminds me of the Titans losing one match in in a grand final against San Francisco. yeah. 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 But, um, you know, this does set up that final. The ma'am, Houston. How did you guys feel about the final? Like, what do you mean? Like, energy-wise, match-wise? Yeah, was, was it an exciting match to watch? Um, obviously, I mean, we know the results. Not as exciting as the one previous. Yeah. I mean, this happened before, too, when, like, you feel the culmination of, of a team just becoming stronger and more uh, confident. We saw that interview of, of Gunba, who said, who who kind of, what was it? He basically committed and said, like, yeah, we're going to win it all now that Atlanta is out. We, we, we are 100% confident this is our, our um, you know, title. And it, it seemed so. Like, they went absolutely ballistic, Super Saiyan, whatever you want to call it. Every match, <laughs> they just kept on getting better and when when that match against houston came up the only map that was close was antarctic peninsula it felt a little bit like back and forth and then like it was just a stomp after a stomp that was florida warming up like that (laughs) that that map that felt like florida sort of had a practice round they just needed to you know get the joints a little bit loose yeah and and from there on in i liked kind of the back and forth at least composition wise this is a lot of people like in chat or whatever oh this is uh you know memeing or like trolling uh dishonest overwatch we saw the bastion we saw a lot of weird strats but this is this is overwatch for me like you see the Mm -hmm. orissa you adjust you see the the um sigma come out you adjust lots of switching and florida we we this we talked about this all year long they they are your chameleon they are the ones who excel at every. We always mention uh, someone, and and it's justifiable. He's he's great, but everybody else on that team also is very flexible. We saw RuPaul flex the different roles. We saw, obviously, Merit and Checkmate were great, and that's what they do best. They they don't care what what they play. They will be great mm-hmm. at that. They feed off energy. There's no there's no look that they look less than great on. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. for some other teams they might be flexible, but there's definitely some, you know, some some areas that they're not as great at, um, which you cannot really say for Florida. You know, obviously you're down three maps to zero. Um, time to try anything. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on bringing Fearless in and going full dive? Like, I thought, it, it, 
yeah, it sort of was working until Florida made adjustments and then it stopped working. Maybe they should have done it a bit before uh, the Bernard experiment. Obviously, I I, I don't want to say it didn't work. They made it mm-hmm. to the finals. It was great before. Yeah. But well, I had I picked Bernard from Houston. Like if Houston was going to win it, it was on the back of Bernard in my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, I, it's it's funny. I ask how you guys felt about the match because obviously my feelings are a little skewed because it was, you know, it was the, the final match and it was the team I was cheering for. And, you know, I was in the second row and in the middle section and, you know, all this energy was, was kind of, you know, finally coming to a, coming to a front with, with who's going to be our, our, you know, champion. Um, and I, I really did feel like it was, more back and forth than the score showed, at least for probably, I mean, I haven't watched the match back again. Um, you're right, Chris, like the, the first round was, was definitely the most back and forth. Um, but there were a number of times where I was looking at Houston and I was thinking, is this the start? Are they now about to kick it into, into high gear and, and get things going? Um, <clears throat> The, I really did feel like Bernard performed extremely well given the circumstances he was in, um, you know, joining the team late and everything. And the other thing about Houston was that in, I don't remember which one, but one of the post-match interviews, Houston was the only team, um, and I think it was Pelican and Shu. And they were asked a question about confidence or about, um, you know, their opponents in the tournament as most teams were. They were the only ones that the answer they gave was basically, we're going to win this. Um, you know, of course, every team says, we're confident in our ability. We're going to, you know, we, w- we will win this. They were the only ones that actually convinced me through the way they spoke, through their demeanor, through their, their actual, you know, um, the outward looking, uh, persona they had on there. They were the only ones that I actually saw it in them and thought they could take it just because they, they have that attitude. They have that grit right now that they're going to do this. Um, even interviews with, with Florida earlier in the weekend, again, it's different personalities and everything like that. You know, maybe, maybe we got lucky with, uh, with that interview with Pelican and shoe, but, um, I, I really felt like they had a chance and I did feel like the match was, you know, could have easily been a four, one, even a four, two, um, would I have preferred that? Yeah. Would have been a little more exciting. Um, and obviously, you know, you really, when being there and everything, I really wanted to, you know, stay in the moment and that kind of thing. So I was, you know, I was saying all day long, I want three twos. I want three twos. I want the final to be four, three, just cause I, I wanted it to last, you know, I wanted to hold on to that moment. Um, yeah. and unfortunately, you know, all of the matches were relatively quick. Um, Florida, Boston being the only one that wasn't, uh, uh, you know, fully one-sided, but, um, yeah. yeah, it was overall, I mean, Florida was clear cut the winner. Yeah. Obviously I'm, I'm with you on, on the desire to have those three twos. Uh, it, it reminds me a lot of, of boxing though, what we saw with, um, the finals or the, 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 the last games where, you know, each map could be a round leading to, to the final uh, knockout or whatever we want to call it. And and sometimes it's just like you cannot stop uh, the hits you're, you're, you're receiving, right? It's not mm-hmm. like you, you lose a map 
and then you're starting fresh the the map after that you're, you're you beat still down at feel that those blows you, your yeah. your jaw right your your balance is is, is shot and mm-hmm. and if there was a jaw a glass jaw for for uh Houston Violet man he he was really playing poorly um compared to at least like what I saw from Shu or Pelican who you mentioned Happy was great. Violet, mm-hmm. consistently, they were, like, hunting him down. I don't know if his mental was shot, but he was feeding out of his mind uh, in a lot of these fights. Um, kind of, a, you know, yeah. It's it just, you know, unfortunate. Uh, but, you know, Florida, they, they, they were able to, to maybe spot that or exploit that or, or it just happened. Um, but at the end of the day right it's it's uh it's a team match and you you can't really put it on one player or, or another but sometimes you pop off and as much as we can you know praise players to, who do that there's also the opposite of that so who knows uh, you know jordan you talked about hoping houston could kick it into another gear and while i would have loved to have seen a seven map match like i was mm-hmm. calling for it i wanted it just to go on forever didn't I also wonder the moment Houston throws it into another gear, it just felt like Florida had that gear to spare, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it, it just Florida felt like they were constructed in such a way that would allow for meta shift. Maybe they were more insulated. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Gunba's approach to the team and his approach to the playoffs was quite clear we have sort of one job in mind and that's not to suggest that our teams weren't trying to win but there just seemed to be something about florida and i kind of feel like if if hong Zhao had that opportunity i genuinely wonder if a hong Zhao uh florida matchup happens in a grand final with hong Zhao getting that second chance mm-hmm. does does that change anything maybe not but do we then get the seven maps right right yeah yeah the the romantic in my brain, for sure. Yeah, it would have been great. But then... Bubblegum match. The, the, the spark did get, like... Kind of ripped by apart Houston. by Houston. So yeah. I wouldn't expect it to go any other way. You, you'd you still like to, to dream about, like, you know, a, a nail-biter. But I don't really know. I was I was glad uh, Hangzhou beat Boston um, in that, that third-place match. Um, it, it really felt like they they deserved it, and yeah, something. I mean, you know, th- there were obviously so many people that traveled to be there. Um, but I spoke to some people from China that were there for Hangzhou, and I was, you know, it it, it feels kind of like you know, you guys made the trip. I'm I'm really glad that that the team showed up as well, um, and in the way that they did. Oh, it was it was just too good for the the two reverse sweeps all weekend long. It was. What if they get another? What if they get another reverse sweep? You know. Well, when when they were down two zero to Houston, everyone was like, "Well, yep. you done it. Way yep. to go! No. You should have given them the map." The script has been penned. It's going to happen. Right? Yeah. And that crowd was like they were full of oh. uh, shock energy there. Like yeah, it was yeah. the two teams were the shock and the spitfire. I think got got Spark. everyone who wasn't cheering for their opponent behind yeah. them. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, that was that was the thing, right? Like. So many people were converted into Hangzhou and, and London fans just just on the underdog stories that the two of them were were running. Yeah. Uh, so Florida Bayum, they win that. And uh, MVP, Merritt. Mm-hmm. 
Is that who you voted for? Uh, yes, it is for the right. in yeah grand finals MVP. Um, he just he clearing away was popping off. Um, obviously, someone would have been an easy pick as well. That's um, who I picked, and and that was kind of the general consensus. You know, going into the match. Uh, everyone was talking about it and saying, oh yeah, someone's got it. Um, and then Merritt just was performing so out of his mind at times that it was kind of like, okay, okay. And the fact that you have to vote before the conclusion of the well, final I- map without knowing what's going to be the final yeah. map is insane. Like I'm sitting there after the third round trying to scratch my head being like, is it over in the next map? Are they going to take it or is Houston going to come back? And obviously, you know, as the map goes on, you kind of get a feeling, but, um, Charong also well, the, played a really good couple matches mm-hmm. there as well. Um, I definitely could have seen voting for him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the team was just stacked. So yeah, I, so I went with someone for one reason. Dude was playing a mean Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> that, that reminds me. I've got my Ryan here. This is the one thing that I brought with me. And I had Hottie sign the back. Uh, Oh, immortalize it. The one signature that I got. I I did wait in a number of lines with people for signatures. I'm not a big signature guy. But when the opportunity came, I was like, okay, I'll get this one. So, Um, Beyond that, other award winners that were announced over the course of uh, the weekend. So Coach of the Year's Gunba. I I don't disagree. I mean, one might argue... There's other choices, but I mean, collectively with how Florida performed, um, especially, you know, as we saw in the playoffs, uh, the rookie of the year was Dongak. A little controversial in many minds for two reasons. One, Atlanta got rolled, so there was some recency uh, to that. But then two, he was playing on a stacked team. Yeah. And there were many that suggested there was a better player who performed on a less stacked team in Sugar Free. Now, we might be homers. Yes, we're we a might. Vancouver we Titans you podcast. <laughs> yeah. But in, you know, talking to a number of people afterwards, there was genuine surprise that it wasn't Sugar Free. I could see it. And honestly, I think my pick probably would have gone to sugar free, but I also think that even I am a little biased on that. Um, well, I, I think Dong X good. Like it's just, yeah. it's, again, it's the argument of how an award is provided. Like it, if you are the tr- rookie of the year, yeah. but you're elevated by the team around you. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and isn't that, isn't that to an extent always the case though? Right. I mean, yeah, oh, I know I, I, it's yeah, I, I disagree with this pick. Like, Dong Hack, he had a good season. We, we first of all, we didn't have, we barely had good rookies this year or good rookie performances. I'm not uh, nothing like what we saw in, in years past. But to be honest, is Dong Hack even like the third best te- player on his team? The fourth? Not really. I, I'd put like Fielder, Chio, Stalker, uh, and obviously Lip, Lip uh, <laughs> before him. So while if, if, if you look at, yeah, exactly. Well, if you look at the Titans, uh, Sugar Free, man, the guy was was winning not just maps, but like well, you, whole, like, whole you game take Sugar for- Free out of the Titans, the Titans aren't 
they're an okay team if that. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I don't know who the replacement would be, right? Absolutely. If you take Donhead out of the rain, they're still a very solid team. Yeah. You probably finish still. first still. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, eh. Um, and then the last award uh, went to someone. Someone got uh, both uh, the uh, tank as well as the uh, Dennis Avalka mm-hmm. um, uh, awards. He much less argument over tank. I don't think there's really anyone that you could say knocks him off that pedestal. And there, there are some good tanks, but he was at a tier above others. Uh, the Desa Walker, I, I can't speak a lot to, cause I don't know how he is and sort of in the, the space as a, a person, um, but I'm going to defer to the fact that he, he won it and therefore is likely a, a very valuable candidate. That leaves us the Roll Stars. Now, the Roll Stars, they generated a lot of discussion. Again, it doesn't help when a team who wins most of them gets rolled into matches. (laughs) But the other piece that also generated a lot of conversation is how there was two spots guaranteed for the East. When there are fewer teams, Mm -hmm. uh, and in turn, how you had rolls going to the same team. So the way it worked is two West, two East. So you have that. There are some that suggest it should have been three, one. And then hmm. where, you know, you look at um, Atlanta uh, taking both the uh, DPS as well as the support roll star spots for the West, the infernal taking uh, for support. And then uh, there was a mix for infernal had for one slot in each category and both the roll stars uh, for support in the East. Yeah. You know, but this is, and this is where, you know, people are like, well, then that sort of disrespects others that could very well have received one and should have, but just because they're in the West Mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to make this an East is not as good as the West argument. I'm simply talking about the pure number of teams, but your, your role stars for tank were someone mag had been fearless. Yeah. Slots in for mag real nice. Mm hmm. For uh, your DPS, you got Zest, Stalker, Leave, and Lip. And then on the support, you got Geo, Skewed, Fielder, and Fixa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who said it, but someone said, well, uh, when asked about this distribution, he said, oh, it, it's great because uh, otherwise APAC would not have all-stars any. at all. Any mm-hmm. all-stars, which, well, which might th- be true. But this is the thing. I, I have no issue if you have four stars that one of them is locked to the east. I mean, I you look at the re- one yeah. percentage-wise, and that is quite literally how it would break down, right? Percentage of teams in the east versus percentage of teams in the west, you allocate it 3-1. That, that is the easy math that makes the most sense. Um, yeah. Uh, there was another argument that you add a fifth. Um, so each one and then west. It's a wild card either. Yeah. Third to the west, third to the east. Though I think in most cases it would have been third to the west. Two, two, but, and then, yeah. And then one extra. Yeah, and then one of either way. I mean, eh, the, the, the fact is. The other thing that you know, these don't obviously take into account is that these are voted on before the playoffs and the grand finals, right? These yeah. are decided based on regular Oops. season performance, which, let's be honest, Hang Zhao underperformed in the regular season. They were not mm-hmm. top dog the whole season through. And that's mm. why they didn't get 
more role stars, right? Even no, but like, but not top dog because of seating. Well, well, like they okay, yeah, fair. Going into the summer showdown, they were the top team out of the East, but the rules on the napkin said otherwise. <laughs> Coming in to the playoffs, they were the top team in the East, but the rules on the napkin said otherwise. How is that not a top team? Like if, if you're going to say, well, they weren't top dog. I get that. Like, I, okay, fine. You're just simply saying Casol was above them on the, <laughs> yes. the standings. But does that then suddenly amplify just because the rules of the net can say this team is somehow better, that their players are better than what Hong Zhao can, can provide. Right? Like, I, for me, that's the part that I think, you know, I do get frustrated with how the standings all petered out, but it's just, it was a broken system. Mm-hmm. That if there's another season, maybe they can improve upon. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, because the other thing, too, is like people always hark on the fact that should there be an MVP overall at all? Or should it be an MVP damage, MVP tank, MVP support? Because the simple fact is I don't think a support ever won MVP, did they? Well, Jonak, maybe? Did he win? Yeah, Jonak. Season one? So. But he wasn't playing support. Yeah. Like true. Yeah. the way we like, DPS you know, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, and, and not to knock his supportability, but it, yeah. the role he, when he, they was playing at the time was, was both mm-hmm. the damage he was producing. Mm-hmm. Um, anyhow, there you have it. The uh, bottom four teams from season one have all now been represented as grand finals champions mm-hmm. in the overwatch league. That's the right. script, I guess had been written as such do you, do you want some minor juice that didn't turn out to be anything i want the major juice minor juice is just as equal <laughs> okay so the funny thing was so because i had the media pass um which hey i should probably say uh thank uh, thank you to the toronto organization thank you to adam adamu thank you to leah um for hooking us up with that because that is a big reason why i think uh, this weekend was so great um i was able to get in early so whatever, uh, the fan zone people who had the nice metal black pass, uh, and got to sit in the exclusive upfront section, uh, I think for them doors opened at 1130 general admission doors opened at 12. So they got in early. I had a media badge and on the first day, once I got my badge, I kind of thought, why don't I see if I can get in? Sure enough. They let me in. So I was in by like 10 a.m. almost every day. Um, if you follow me on Twitter at SirDRJM, you will see I posted some pictures of the stadium before anyone was really in there. Uh, that's how I got those pictures. The funny thing was, they obviously, when you're in there early, they are running through, um, you know, doing doing sort of a speed run through their rehearsal of, of the day. Um, so most of the time when I came in, the uh, desk was already rehearsing, um, you know, Zoe, Jake, Danny, uh, Johnny, they were all at the desk. They were all talking, et cetera, et cetera. And they were running graphics on the very large uh, displays throughout the place. So on the final day I go in and I saw the whole um, show match graphics on the screen. The, the one that um, Angela Ziegler yeah, uh, drew up for them and everything. Uh, so that was cool. I got a picture of that. It's up on my Twitter if you want to check that out. At one point, I thought they were going to do a pre-run of displaying every team on screen and saying, Houston Outlaws, 
Grand Finals Champions. Uh, Hangzhou Spark, Grand Finals Champions. I thought they were going to show each team on the screen and do the big celebration of this team just won it all. The only team they did that for was the Houston Outlaws. So when Houston made it into the final match, I was very much wondering if the script had indeed been written and Houston was about to win it all. <laughs> and and Jake called it 4-0, exactly. right? He was the only one who'd seen the script. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. So when yeah. when, you know, the whole the whole time I was I was a little bit like, all right, they beat Hangzhou. That was probably expected. And then when when it was indeed Florida versus Houston, I was like, mm, if Houston wins this, that throws everything into question. So yeah. they did not, but Could have been breaking news on RSP. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got to go. I'm glad you got to experience the event. And again, uh, before we take ourselves a short break, congratulations to the Florida Mayhem, your 2023 Overwatch League Grand Champions. talk about the overwatch league in the fray but i got breaking news gentlemen the tooth fairy has to come by the light force residence baby force finally popped the loose tooth out and uh yeah um i'm genuinely curious what the going rate for the tooth fairy is these days did that happen during recording yeah that's why i was just on my phone if you saw me looking down so i got you congratulations in this economy i'm not even sure (laughs) <laughs> inflation says that uh the cost of teeth has actually gone down oh okay yeah. okay and sucks to be the the <laughs> recipient of the tooth fairy's uh you know funds right. um but no let's talk a little bit about the overwatch league i asked you this jordan um you know when we're sort of messaging back and forth what was the genuine feel of those with boots on the ground, the fans and what have you, like, was this it? Now, when I was asking you this, this was before the end on Sunday, but like, it just had this feel like we talked about last week, Toronto had merch that said the grand finale. Believe it or not, there were people that did not put that together until after the final happened. I was really, I was with some people and I, I won't, I won't say their names, but we were standing on the corner of the street waiting to cross. And then one of them looked down at their own shirt and went, Oh my gosh, this grand finale. Do you think they, they like knew that they were going to say this big goodbye? And I was like, you obviously aren't listening to ready set phone because we talked about this last episode, (laughs) but anyways, uh, the general feeling on the floor was it's already done. Um, like it, the deal has already been signed, whatever the teams have already voted. That's, that's how convinced most people were that, uh, we are not going to see a new, uh, another season of the Overwatch League. Um, I spoke before about, uh, some of the Hangzhou fans that were, that I was talking to that were from China. And I actually overheard them saying to someone else, uh, oh, it's not coming back. <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. do I think they had any, any insider information? No. Uh, but just the fact that, you know, I know that's certainly how I felt. I mean, talking to you guys, I know we've kind of theorized about what may happen. And I think we all kind of feel like that the league is probably not going to return, at least not in the same 
shape uh, that it is currently. Um, but yeah, just to me, the fact that even overseas, even in, you know, on another continent, in another country, uh, you know, many, many kilometers away, um, it seems like that's, that's what everyone thinks at this point. So. Omni, I mean, you weren't there, but based on what you and I saw, where do you, uh, sit on the matter? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, sources of, of, uh, information that we constantly like look at, uh, if it's the stream, if it's how people talk, if it's online, like that's, of the blessing and the curse of following any sport there's just a lot of talking unfortunately the ratio of positivity to negativity has been pretty abysmal uh both from official sources and not um yeah it's it's not it's not feeling good uh you constantly try to evade the thought that maybe maybe it's not over maybe uh it isn't but once you know you started seeing those uh thank you posts and and summary videos oh, and, oh. and Zoe's farewell at the end with the entire yeah you know, like that's that's there. We, we talked a little bit about this uh, a few episodes ago where because it's not official yet right the the, the final nail wasn't <laughs> nailed into the coffin you couldn't really acknowledge it acknowledge it or like say goodbye properly well they just did yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, without the Overwatch League, obviously there might be still uh, players, uh, and there will be an esport. It is a competitive game by nature, and there will be organizations that are willing to put money into it and run tournaments. But what we have grown to love and care for—the music, the logos, you know, um, all the stories, the brands, the silliness of them, of them all, the ups and downs. It's all gone, and and you can see that this is just the beginning. There's a lot, lot of players, players like Twilight, who whom we followed for so long, right? Who's already, um, they're already kind of saying, yeah, we're gonna pursue something different now. They all feel like uh-huh. this, you know, the guaranteed contracts, the 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 competition for a roster spot. It's all gonna change drastically, and. I remember, I think it was Sam on stream that said, oh my goodness, something is changing, uh, coming for the upcoming season. But even then, I don't think they, they quite uh, had the full picture uh, as it stands now. And outside of uh, of Adam Adamu, God bless him, if we had, I always say, like, if we had more Adam Adamus, uh, this league would have been in much better shape and we probably had uh, more seasons up, uh, going uh, forward, but we don't. And I wish I could share his optimism, and I, and I, you know, I'm rooting for him, and I'm rooting for the league, and because I don't, I want, I don't want to see it go. But what, what are the five stages of grief? <laughs> I, I feel like uh, you're at we'll, acceptance. Yeah, yeah we're well past no, not, denial. No, not way, not there yet. But like, I'm past <laughs> denial. Denial was a, was strong yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's just yeah. sad to me, really. How did I, uh, so he's speech land watching it on oh, stream. did it hit God. oh it hit. it hit and you could see the emotion on the oh flick. i mean the slow pan across all the casters and, and they're all you know, crying seeing lemons starting to well up and then honestly for me when when they got to uh there was a shot of jake and harry and jake um or leg day and uh 
Leg Day, I think, might have been the first one to crack, and then it was well, he, just from there. If you watch some of the content, like the pre-recorded content, mm-hmm. you can see in his eyes that he's, you know, got more emotion. Mm-hmm. Like you, when it comes to someone and their emotions, you always look at their eyes. Their mm-hmm. eyes lie, mm-hmm. um, or always tell the truth. But ultimately, when when someone has emotion, you see it there. The color sort of changes, what have you, and you could tell, like, hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder what's up. Like, is it late at night? Hmm. Yeah. But then when you watch that, 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 that piece and that farewell from Zoe, um, like the, the emotions there. And I know people are like, Oh, that was, they all know it's over. I actually think the overwatch league from a production standpoint understood that this could be it mm-hmm. and wanted to ensure that they positioned it respectfully. Mm-hmm. If it were yeah. like, you think about like, the entertainment industry, when a show is canceled without realizing they've mm-hmm. recorded their last mm-hmm. episode, they create like they a cliffhanger. We'll see next season. Or <laughs> There's no wrap up. Yeah. This happened. I also agree that whatever we've seen to this point is not what we will see in the future. Like that part, I think is clear. Mm-hmm. But there are also signs to me that have me wondering, like, what is like? Yes, maybe the Overwatch League is done. But there must already be teams talking about what are we doing in the future. And so, you know, one, Adam, love him. I have to acknowledge he's the CEO of a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. He can't come out and say it's done. He mm-hmm. has to be optimistic. That's not good business. Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, he knows it or not, from what we understand, no vote has taken place yet. Like there's anything is still possible. Hey, it's It's been at least 24 hours now. It may have taken place. <laughs> okay, true. And the news will break on a Wednesday yeah, after exactly. we record it. Right after we post. Um, you know, I, I feel like, okay, I look at that. I take that maybe with a little slight grain of salt. But if there is, um, you know, Omni, to your point, a guy that could pull this off, Adam Adam is it. But then you have the Vancouver Titans posting for a vice president of esports. Yeah, like, that we're not talking ab- about, you know, an esports-focused entity. This is the Vancouver Canucks, Canucks Sports and Entertainment. The organization that has been declared by anyone in the scene as the budget op <laughs> yeah. is now looking to people so late <sighs> in the game. Now, I don't know how the Call of Duty League fits under the whole scenario with no Overwatch League because there's so many shared franchises. So maybe that's it. But again, like it just seems like, why would you hire a person? Yeah. Why would you just put this on the commercial? So I think there are signs to me that point to the potential of teams already planning for a different tomorrow if tomorrow doesn't come that's that's just the thing like first of all vancouver titans i think it's a big misrepresentation to to consider them a budget team they're they're they have been a lot of things but they were never afraid (laughs) to you know pay or or uh commit to like uh spending the other part of it is now that okay Back, back one step. Overwatch League, a lot of the issues that people pointed to at the beginning is how close the system is, how controlling it is towards like third party organizations or trying to run anything that is not Overwatch League per se. And now that it's all starting to disintegrate, uh, there are, you know, organizations or people like Adam that we mentioned before who still want to see esports for Overwatch continue. And now that there's a big vacuum, there might be a lot of opportunities for the, the, they're, they're all 
entrepreneurial, right? So there, there's mm-hmm. like a void in there that they can fill prop. If they do this properly, they might build the next big thing. Uh, so that control is going back to the people who do, uh, Overwatch esport, who understand Overwatch esports. So there's an opportunity there for sure. Um, I think that's partly why, like, organizations like the Titan, I have no doubt that when, when that vote comes in, I think the Titans, uh, will want to, to continue something, uh, of that sort. Like, I never got the, uh, the, the idea that they were never, like, they were one of the teams, like, like, uh, uh gladiators or, or, you know, the, the situation that we saw in APAC. They're not one of those teams that are not just wanting this thing to continue. Uh, especially in the last season, like where they kind of were, uh, on, on, on the positive, uh, trend. And yeah, I think it's just like a matter of, of looking forward towards something that might be placed. They don't want to be caught off guard by anything like might come out of this. There's still an opportunity in the space. Uh, it will not be as expensive as it was before to partake. That's another plus. You don't have to pay these egregious sums. Um, you might have a squad already, uh, prepared to, to continue, like in some shape or form. So yeah, I think it's just a matter of, uh, entrepreneurs in this space that already are familiar with the game and with, with the people that might just try and build something regardless whether like the, the, the league continues or not. Yeah. I, and, and so on, sorry, uh, last, last thing. I, I'm, I'm, I have to go back to that question that you mentioned, like uh, with this, thing coming to a close it's not just like that conversation from zoe and i wanted to ask um jordan if they that montage that they had uh showing you know plays from the past seasons where they had the overwatch 2 music and then they put alarm in there too man that was like oh I, gosh twice they knew so what they were doing hard that, that, that was the so gut hard. punch yeah <laughs> so yeah it, it's it is i think 90 percent the end of, of the league as we know it, but there are some maybe positives. There are opportunities for people who are in the Overwatch League to, to build something outside of that cage, right? That super yeah. expensive uh, golden uh, cage that was the Overwatch League as well. Yeah. I, what I was going to mention just on the Titan side is that you, like the three of us know this is a team that has been willing to spend. The one area that spending was never done well on was on the business and the organizational side. They tended to partner or sort of shed that off to someone who did it off the corner of their desk. <laughs> this yeah. season was where they started to internalize that, yeah. bring that all back in. Yeah. And that's why now to the posting part, you're right. Maybe it's this entrepreneurial spirit in that we're going to do something. We think now we're, we haven't even given, be given the clearing to control it, to have our destiny sort of, better defined and under our control. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm not thinking we're going to get owl 2024 and how I have sort of talked about it, um, whether it being defiant court or Titans court or, or weekly uprising court, or even RSP court is that what we might see is a, a major minor situation similar to maybe what CDL does, or maybe, you know, calling all heroes and then having sort of play-ins where those who sort of, you know, buy in, whatever that might be, get themselves a guaranteed spot. Others get to compete. And then, you know, the teams that may try to organize it, bring in sponsorship to help mm-hmm. um, create a prize pool. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I do hope that there is a pinnacle overwatch 
esport, mm-hmm. and I, I, I and I say pinnacle as in a a bring all of the regions together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like a gauntlet. It mm-hmm. it really did feel like truly nobody knows, um, and I, I think that Zoe's speech kind of went a long way in hopefully a lot of viewers' minds to well, the show. Moment she said it. That was the that that speech yeah. and that montage mm-hmm. was like the seal of the deal. Yeah, like anyone who was optimistic at that point, well, transitioned into pessimistic. Not not even that, but just just the fact that I think there were people that kind of uh, felt like the people on the inside know what's going on, and I think Zoe's speech kind of showed uh, that even they don't know. Um, you know, there is a significant degree of uncertainty as to what's going to happen. Um, which again, you know, technically speaking, we knew that we know that there's this vote coming up, but I don't even think that people like the casters, um, or the production crew or anything have a good feeling as to what is going to happen. Um, and I'm not saying they have a bad feeling as to what's going to well, happen. I was going to say, I, I'm I just, think they may have a feeling cause they're maybe more connected to that inner circle than like yeah. the likes of us, but you're right. They, they don't know. Uh, yeah. The point is, I think it, it really showed that. Yeah. They just, they don't know just as much as we don't know. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. I'm, I'm glad to hear that it all hit you guys as well because, um, you know, being on the floor, obviously we're all, you know, on our feet and cheering and everything from Florida winning it all. And, you know, they do all these pictures and everything like that. And obviously I'll be honest, like that's a part of why I didn't rush off to the, uh, uh, you know, to the press conference afterwards. Um, I, I didn't want to just get up in that moment and go. Now the Florida guys were on stage for quite a while. So it was very much a case of, okay, they're still on stage. I, I know I'm good. I know I don't have to leave yet. Then they played the montage and, and Zoe's speech. And obviously at that point, I'm sure they were going over to the room. Um, I did try. I, I got there and the door was shut and I went, ah, oh, crap. Cause the fact is with Florida winning and everything, it suddenly became this feeling of mm-hmm. everything is the last time, you know, this is the last time a team is probably, this is probably the last time a team is going to win the Overwatch League. This is probably the last time we're going to see that particular trophy used at all, whether or not it, you know, I would assume it probably goes back to the Blizzard campus and gets displayed on a case and they do a nice little plaque that show, lists all the teams that have won it in the past or something. Um, this is the last time we'll have an MVP, et cetera, et cetera. But that's the side that most people don't see is the press conferences, right? This is the last time there's going to be a press conference. Um, but it also meant that this is probably the last time we're going to see that group of casters that we have come to know and love over all these seasons, uh, on stage together, uh, let alone potentially casting this sport at all. Um, you know, people like Vicky, people like Necra, people like, uh, lemon, they're already quite diverse in the sports, the esports that they cover. Um, all of them have been traveling quite a bit. If you follow them, for other esports, there's a good chance that they move on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Overwatch will always hold a special place in their heart, but there's also going to be new talent. There's also going to be new casters that come up. I mean, heck, we look at Brennan Sideshow, and they kind of got stiffed by the league. Imagine if they had been there. Like, I think it really would have hit. I, I was, I was very hopeful that Bren might walk out at some point. Um, you know, it would have been probably would have been the worst kept secret of all time, but 
That would have been really cool to have. Did you see his comments on? Yes, I did. I did. I saw his comments on Twitter and he very clearly was not following it at all. Um, and does not care. Uh, I think there's some stuff behind the scenes that we don't know about in that whole relationship. But anyways, um, cause like Wolf actually had, some yeah, I saw positive it. comments and, and he's in Korea. Know. So it obviously is a big trip for him, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of which, actually, if I may take the, take the wheel and turn it for a second here. I mean, you have the entire floor right now. So. <laughs> okay. Well, one of the things I found the most interesting, um, about this weekend was actually watching the casters, uh, so, you know, the desk is one thing, but watching the casters when they were doing the play-by-play and the, uh, the color commentary and everything, I was blown away by the fact that I have never considered what they are doing or looking at while they cast. Um, obviously they're seeing the game. Uh, they had something like four monitors in front of them and then two 50 inch TVs or one fifty inch or whatever, but they're so incredibly animated it was really something that I kind of wish everyone could see at some point um, because they're they're pointing at the screen and they're gesturing over here and they're looking at each other and they're really interacting with each other. And then there's also times where one of them stops and obviously we know this because we hear their voices and they kind of need to catch their breath and they will just walk away. They turn around and they were positioned in a in a place where they're um, right along kind of the, the, I don't know what to call it, railing that overlooked the bowl. Um and a lot of the times I would see when, when they were taking a break like that, they would just wander over and just look out at the crowd. And I can only imagine what that, that feels like to know that this whole crowd in large part, plus all the people online are listening to, you know, my voice in some way or another right now. Um, and then the other thing was, uh, watching Mitch, uh, cast, he was by far the most interesting because his focus is so incredibly on the game, but he was actually fidgeting at an insane level the whole time. Like, I mean, obviously listeners, you can't see what I'm doing, but he was doing this kind of thing the whole time with his hands at this, at this speed. Yes. Not super fast, not slowly, not, you know, gently, you know, cracking his knuckles, rubbing his fists or something like that. But he was going like this. And you could tell it was kind of a, a focus uh, tactic for him that just kept his head in the game and everything like that. So anyways, it was, it was yeah. very cool. Very interesting to see that. So, yeah, I, so you asked me the emotion earlier. So like in the virtual press room, mm-hmm. uh, Joseph, um, myself and Liz, uh, all comment how we were glad that the virtual room got asked questions last because we needed to collect ourselves. Um, <laughs> I used that last press conference to ask uh, the most important question of all, uh, whether they've enjoyed Canadiana, specifically food. The answer was they've all gone for Korean barbecue. That was the Florida mayhem. Uh, Yiska got my other question was how they're going to celebrate. Mm. And uh, the answer that Swing had said is, yeah, we'll probably do something. Um, there was an after party th- for all. Oh, um, I, uh, yeah. An exclusive after party, but uh, did you go? Uh, no, no, no. I don't believe media was invited. <laughs> but uh, you're you're Jordan at Sir Doctor J O. You're not just media. You know, I tried telling a couple people that got a lot of blank stares. <laughs> yeah, the, the casting part was really cool, and it reminded me that there was a post on on competitive Overwatch subreddit that uh, looked at all the games that they have ever casted in all of um, Overwatch League's history. And Uber. Was Jaws ca- is Thanos? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't. 
Did he's he's had like twelve partners. He's he's had the oh, most yeah, yeah, yeah. casting partners. Yeah. So you already know what I'm referring to. Uh, it was cool to see that Uber casted over a fourth of all of Watch League games. Well, I mean, you consider he like UberX was your showcase partnership, right? Mm-hmm. right? And I I want to say UberX was the casting pair for all but one of the grand finals. Yes, yeah, I think he, he became the de facto grand final caster. Yeah. But um but no like yeah I I can't say I've witnessed casting live, but I have seen like sports broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Um and you know like Omni and I in the you know adult learning field when you're facilitating you talk and engage the room with more than just your voice. Mm-hmm. And when you think about casting, you're still doing the same thing. It's just, you don't have an audience necessarily in front of you. Um, like I deliver a lot of my training virtually and I have to turn my camera off because I get feedback that my animations are distracting <laughs> because in a small box on the screen, right. seeing my hands do the talking mm-hmm. is a problem. So I, I, I get that part. Um, but again, I can't speak to the experiences to you getting to see them do that. And then in turn, how they're able to embrace the crowd, that energy would have been was, like, I couldn't, I could wild. not do what they do on a normal day. Yeah. There is no <laughs> business of me being even in able to get there and the energy they had. So what does this all mean for the podcast? Uh, is this ready, set it? Um, ready, set, don't know. Ready, set, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Like we were, ready, set, Sam done. was. Ready to Sam was asking, are we a Call of Duty League podcast now? And I was like, no, maybe we'll pivot to Ready, Set, Ball. Because uh, he still holds that bet over me that he won um, from like three years ago now, I think it was. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, we're we're still around. Um, we'll still continue talking about the Overwatch and Overwatch League until such times it's done. And then at that point, I don't know, we'll see. three of us will you know, shoot the proverbial and figure things out. But for now, uh, continue to tune in each and every week until we go to our off season recording schedule, which will be soon. And that's every two weeks. Moving off of the overwatch league into the overwatch game. Season seven is fast approaching. Uh, it goes live. I think it's next week. Uh, it's going to bring uh, with it a new map, a control map, Samoa. We got to see it during the grand finals. Mm-hmm. Um, good looking map. I like the environment. Um, I like the structure. I get that there are some people who look at it and they're like, Oh, not another Antarctic peninsula. Why? Um, Why? Well, see, this is the thing is I think for some people, they don't like how the environment becomes so key. I think what they're, they like are these sort of wide open spaces with a whole lot of pure symmetry and even sight lines Some and that whereas like to me, many. well, it, like you look at Samoa, like watching the show match. I mean, there's all sorts of craziness that can happen. There's like 20 different ways mm-hmm. to enter. Um, I, I just, to, to me, it creates more of a unique experience each and every time you play. And that's what I feel would be good for the game. Yeah, I liked what I saw. Uh, control maps are great, in my opinion. There's not, like, a bad one. Um, it doesn't feel like a rehash from existing assets, like what we saw with Shambhali or, or um, New Junk City or uh, even Antarctic Peninsula, so I'm happy. It probably sets up also Mauga uh, coming in, right? But well, I mean, we've known Mauga is going to be coming in since, like, 2013. Yeah, him and uh, the Jack... Jetpack cat. Yeah. 
Um, I liked it. But, I, liked, uh, I like what I saw. Jordan? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I think it, it looks cool. I'm, I'm a sucker for this kind of thing. Um, I love, yeah, you show me a new map, you show me a new character. I don't, I don't care. I, I'm just happy to see them because I think they're cool. Um, I had a nice chat with, uh, Jared News. Um, Ooh. that's right. I, uh, on day one, actually, uh, Sean Miller was lurking behind me at one point and I said hi and, and he, he did the remind me of your name again. So I'm not sure if that was my demeanor that said, uh, we've met before or he was just being polite. Um, he did recall coming on the show though. And, and we spoke about, about all sorts of things. Um, so later in the weekend, um, I was hanging out with some people and, uh, they kind of noticed behind me that, uh, Sean Miller was lurking there and I pulled the old, Oh, I'm good pals with him. Do you want to meet him? And, uh, they, they wanted to chat with him. So I took him over and said, Hey Sean, you know, I got a couple people here that might like to chat for a few minutes if you're, if you're okay with that. And, he was great. He was super friendly with everyone. Um, and then I kind of looked next to him and it was, uh, Jared Noose who, um, you know, I really should have looked up his title. He's creative something, creative director or something like that, but he's the one that's, you know, been heavily featured every time they do these kind of peek behind the curtains at, um, you know, uh, maps or characters or, uh, the level design and stuff like that. Um, so I started talking to him and I must have talked to him for a good 20, 30 minutes. Um, just, you know, talking about the game and the event and everything. Um, and the fact that, of course, we knew at that point that they were going to be showing off Samoa. Um, so he, you know, kind of told me about how excited he was for that. Um, I met, uh, one of the members of team four. Uh, she was also there with, with him. Her name was Jody. And, uh, if you look at the Overwatch news page, they just put up a big article about uh, how they kind of built Alari and some of the behind the scenes on that. And she, along with, uh, I think, one other guy, basically put that whole thing together. So that was really cool. Um, but yeah, it was just really awesome to see that. And of course, the show match um, was a lot of fun. You know, all weekend long, I had been, I mean, I spoke to a couple of them, but I had been seeing, uh, you know, J3, uh, Fariha, Karku was not there as much as I expected. I think, uh, Fariha was there all weekend long. Um, I saw her every day, uh, and I got a couple pictures with her and, uh, Ski Steve, but, um, yeah, Karku, I'm pretty sure he, if he wasn't only, sounds there like he Sunday. was only there on the Sunday. I was going to say, I think he was only there on Sunday. Um, but in any case, uh, I met him later on in the evening and, and, uh, yeah, it was it just, you know, a good time, right? I'm, I'm a fan of that kind of thing. I, I almost wish they, they still did the, uh, the all-star stuff. Um, I saw one person in one of the all-star jerseys actually. Uh, Pacific or Atlantic? Cool. Uh, whichever. The, East or West. I guess it was probably the, the blue one would be Pacific more likely. Right. Yeah. I think that Pacific was blue. And yeah. Atlantic so it was, was, it was the, the blue one. Yellow or gold. She was sitting in front of me for, for one of the, one of the days. It was cool. Yeah. But. Cool. Um, the other thing that's coming out, obviously, we've got our, our Halloween event with the Diablo crossover and then the Sombra rework. Uh, so the Sombra rework is still not clearly defined, though uh, the official Overwatch Twitter account and then Overwatch Cavalry have uh, shared some uh, quick uh uh, screen cap. So, uh, her stealth will now sh give you a visual radius as to where she will be detected. And that's again, based oh, cool. on a guess, you see a, you know, small purple line sort of, mm -hmm. uh, away from her. Uh, and then she has a new ability called virus and, 
it seems to be what would be replacing her hack. Um, the graphic shows her throwing what looks like an old sort of, uh, like a SIM sort of, um, bullet in a square format hits a Ryan and then Reinhardt has this visual sort of acknowledgement that something's wrong. I'm kind of guessing that it probably works similar to a hack, but now becomes a ranged ability as opposed to the current one, which is uh, have line of sight lock on. Uh, it also shows her not in cloak throwing it. So if you remember with the old hack, you would decloak and your cooldown started. The current one, you you become visible, but then short time after you're invisible again. Um, what more may come out of this rework? We'll find out obviously Wednesday because that's podcast lore. Yeah, true. And then uh, with the new season comes a new battle pass and the uh, Hanzo mythic looks pretty solid. Mm-hmm. It does. And they're, they're touting all the uh, sort of extras that they added onto that with, with the dragons, his ultimate being, uh, being special for that skin as well. Uh, you know, special voice lines and stuff, which I'm a little bit surprised that they're touting those. Cause I, I thought that was the case with every mythic. I know it was the case with the Genji one, the very first one. Um, Maybe I've just been not paying attention. Which wasn't, still wasn't surpassed in my opinion. This one looks kind of good. I think the Sigma one might have come close. The Genji one, uh, that face is just so cool, you know, with the, with this sort of cyber skeleton yeah, face. Yeah, it opens and, it opens and the up. smoke comes out. That's really cool. I'm, I'm a sucker for the, like, galaxy look that they build into this those skins, which uh, the Sigma one yeah. has, though. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that different layer. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I use that skin. It's pretty awesome. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I just, I just finished the battle pass as well for, nice. for this season. I actually have to log in. I should... I'm, gonna have a whole bunch of rewards from Ooh, grand finals so like christmas that's right <laughs> so here we are at the end of a show end of an episode one in which that you our listeners don't know but omni has decided to gift me uh, additional production time on um but uh, we are here at the end. Uh, we will be back again next week. Next week's show might be a very short one. Who knows? I mean, there will be some news, but as to what the news will be, we don't know. Jordan, do you have a question? Uh, I bet the news is that Toronto blows up the roster. Let's go. Oh. I mean, this this episode <laughs> Let's is keep just, with tradition. I don't know what you're complaining about. This this episode shows, at least to me, that it's only been like going six for minutes? six minutes. So, <laughs> yeah. Good point. Um. Next week we'll be back, and then I'm thinking we'll probably be transitioning to our off-season episode cadence, which is every two weeks after that. But again, we'll we'll let you know, our listeners know uh, what is happening when we figure out what is happening. Uh, we'll continue to exist as to what will be. Who knows? Uh, one man watch point uh, will probably still be one man. Oh yes, I mean, no plans to uh, bring on a, another man at this point, yeah. or or woe man, or big them, woe man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we are in this sort of space like everyone else is, and we're going to learn more as we do. Uh, I do have plans though. Like I, I do envision if, if things were to come to sort of light and, you know, change getting Adam on the show and talking to him and, and finding out more about what's going on, seeing if we can get Sean to come on and talk a little bit about, you know, 
what has happened or, or what have you. Like, I just, I feel there would be an opportunity to, to provide some additional closure and, and maybe pull the curtain back a little bit to find out, you know, how did this all sort of go down and how did, you know, what might we do different and, and in that retrospective, but regardless, we will be here. I, if you want to continue the conversation with us, you can find us on social media, already set poem. Uh, you can also find our discord discord.io slash already set poem. And, uh, it is there often where some of the, uh, stuff gets posted before we can talk about it on a show. Hence the esports position, uh, with the connect sports entertainment organization that was discussed uh, by friend of the show, Samson. So, Again, join our Discord. And you can go to our broken website, readysetpwn.com, where the widget works, but the website doesn't. So, final words of wisdom. Omni. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened, Dr. Seuss. Well, that's like the kindest thing you've ever said, and you've said some pretty unkind yeah, stuff. Yeah, I figured, you know, it's the, <laughs> the last... Time we speak of games in the Overwatch League. I, I don't know. Oh, wait. I, I said we should smile more. So, yeah. Jordan? Uh, no real words of wisdom for me this week. Uh, I'll simply say again thank you to everyone that had a part in uh, getting us access, getting me out there, uh, and making it such a, such a grand old time. And of course, a special shout out to both of you. Because without bringing me onto this show, I would not have been out there. So, uh, just thank you to everyone involved. Well, you're welcome, but no need to sell yourself short. I mean, one man watch point is a known entity. I just, you know, yeah. proceeded to uh, tag you on because uh, you helped make uh, me look good. Omni yeah. had to carry the load before. And now it's I'll, like I'll take the credit. I don't you know, mind. <laughs> balance <and wipe. laughs> Um, I too actually wanted to give thanks to, uh, you know, the Toronto Fiat organization, Overactive Media, um, you know, specifically Adam Adamu, uh, Leah Gaucher. They've been great. They've been supportive of RSP. Like, you know, and I've talked about this. Adam followed the podcast before the podcast was a thing. And he shared with me a note at the end of that sort of first season that we were around thanking us for what we did, like to have someone of that stature from the league recognize what it is we do as an independent podcaster, you know, spoke loudly and we were much more in connection with the Titans at the time. So, you know, that to me is awesome. Um, you know, John Nomas from the Overwatch League, Sean Miller, they've always been great. And, and we, the countless guests that we've had on our show, I hope to continue to be able to provide a voice, uh, one that is Canadian and 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 to that effect, uh, full of the maple syrup, beaver tails, and bagged milk. If you happen to be in Toronto, uh, but that podcast will stick around. As far as uh, my final words, it's always a dad joke. And with us getting into October, I tried to stick with theme. Why is it so cheap to throw a party at a haunted house? I got nothing. I don't know. Well, it's because the ghosts bring all the booze. <laughs> Oh, the booze. I got it. I got it. That was a good one. Took a minute. I try. I try. But on behalf of uh, Ani at Ani Stripe, Jordan at Sir Dr. Jam, and the host of the One Man Watchpoint podcast, and myself, Chris at Lightforce, I'm going to sign off this episode with a pleasant catchphrase. (laughs) 